We uh, started talking about prayer a couple weeks ago. Uh, give a little, uh, oh, Bracken Millennia is here. We need, we need some introductions. Can you uh, introduce a new, uh, new family member here? Amen. Amen. First time in church. Now, Father, we pray blessing on Zyla, God. We pray, continue to pray over her, God, for a complete health and goodness and your grace to be in her life. And God, thank you for Brack and Lenia. God, we pray blessing on their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> we are, uh, have been talking about prayer. And uh, this one thing we talk often about here, at least we try to, uh, because prayer is in my opinion, the most underutilized tool we have for transformation. It is the most underutilized tool we have for transformation, whether uh, you are wanting transformation on the inside, because we all have things that we'd like change, we'd like different, or we'd like to be working out differently in our lives. Prayer is a powerful uh, tool for transformation, personal transformation. It's a powerful tool for transformation in relationships. In friendships and marriages, uh, strained relationships, maybe at work or at school. It can be an incredibly powerful tool for transformation in your workplace or in the community or even nations. Uh, a prayer is incredibly, incredibly powerful. But at the same time, it's one of those things that is attacked most. Is it, attacked, it, it is attacked very uh, greatly by the enemy because the enemy knows it's such a powerful tool. It's attacked just by the sense of, of living in this culture <laughs> because we are in a culture where there's so much ringing and dinging and buzzing and, and, and there's so many fun things to do that, that we tend to sometimes be distracted from, from prayer, which can be incredibly powerful. And there are so many amazing testimonies in this room of answered prayer, of healings, of transformation, uh, it, it is incredible what prayer can do. And so we need to continually encourage ourselves to continue to gather in prayer, uh, to take time out during our day to pray, and just to pray as we're living life and to be talking with the Father as we're at work or at play or whatever we are doing. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this point, that often the difference between God's will being done and not done is prayer. The difference of seeing God's will in your marriage or in our church or in your community, the difference between God's will being done and not being done often is prayer. And we challenge this idea that, that sometimes we, we wrongly think, oh, that God's will is just always going to be done, so I don't have to pray. You know, God's will is just going to automatically be done in my marriage or it's automatically going to be done in my life and so I'm going to be transformed and I don't really have to pray because God's going to do what he's going to do. And we saw how that it's just not the truth. There are times when God's going to do what he's going to do, but there are lots of times when the difference between God's will being done and not being done is prayer. And it reminds you again that God's will being done is a really good thing. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we're like, I don't know, if God's will is done, I'm going to be sent to Alaska or something like that. If you don't like Alaska, I don't know. Uh, but uh, God's will is beautiful. I mean, what makes us excited about heaven? What makes heaven heaven? 
is because it's a place where God's will is always done. And if you understand the character of who God is, that he is love, he is love, then you realize that the best thing that can happen to you or to me or to our nation or to our community is for God's will to be done. But if we want to see God's will done, we need to be people of prayer. If you want to have more of heaven in your life, then you need to be a person of prayer. And we see this idea throughout the scripture. We looked at some of these verses a couple weeks ago. Uh, Matthew 9, that Jesus says, Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask, ask him to send more workers into his harvest fields. Now, it's pretty clear that God's will is to have more workers, more people uh, serving in the kingdom. But notice, Jesus says, in order for God's will to happen, someone needs to pray. In order for more workers to be present, someone has to pray. Again, often the difference between God's will being done and not done is prayer. We see in, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. Now, would it be God's will that the message be spread, uh, spread rapidly and that it will be honored? Well, of course it would be. But Paul says, we got to pray about that. Because often the difference between God's will being done and not done is prayer. We see Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, where he says, Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And it's God's will that your needs are provided for. I mean, uh, Paul says that, that God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches. It's God's will that your needs would be provided for. But notice what Jesus says right after. He says that we are actually to pray for God's will to be done. Uh, we are to pray that God would give us our daily bread. Uh, so God's will is that our needs be provided for. But again, prayer often makes a difference between God's will being done and not being done. Uh, we can look at 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, uh, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, now, would it be God's will that we live in godliness and holiness? Yeah. But Paul says, we need to be praying then for all, all people, and especially our governments. That prayer can make a difference even when it, even when it comes to our nation. Prayer is an incredible tool for transformation. But if you want to see God's will being done, then you need to be praying. Because often the difference between God's will being done and not done is prayer. We can look at Colossians 4. Paul again, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, now, would it be God's will for Paul to proclaim the message clearly? Yeah. But Paul said, we got to pray that this might happen. Again, the difference between God's will be done and not done is often our prayers. Philippians 4, I think I got a couple more. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. Do, do you know that's God's will for us? That we wouldn't be anxious? But I don't know about you, but often I can be really anxious, and you can be anxious. But, uh, but Paul, Paul says here, we're not to be anxious, but what makes the difference between God's will be done and not be done in, in the realms of anxiety? Well, partly it can be prayer. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And after prayer, it says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we can go through lots of verses, but the Bible says, again, that the difference between God's will being done and not being done often is whether we pray into that situation or not. And this is what exactly what Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is the model prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And, and Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, and speaking of this relationship uh, with God, hallowed be your name. And then he says this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if God's will were always done, again, why would Jesus ask us to pray this? Why would he say that we are to pray every day, the model prayer, the thing that's to shape all of our prayer is, God, would your kingdom come? Well, I thought it would just come anyways. A God, would your will be done? Well, I thought his will would be done anyways. No, because often the difference between God's will being done and not done is prayer. And this is why we need to be people of prayer. This is why we need to be covering things in prayer. This is why the Bible says to pray continually. That as we walk through life and we are at work and play and hanging out with our friends or our spouse or, you know, or whatever it might be, just this constant heart of God, would you bless us? God, would your glory come? God, would your will be done? Just a constant communication with the Father, inviting his will into our situations. Now, God desires to answer our prayer. It's really important to know this because a lot of times I run into people and they think that somehow prayer is about begging God. That prayer is somehow about trying to convince him that what I'm asking is good and then if I just convince him and bug him enough, then maybe God will release that prayer. It's just if God is sitting up there you know, with his arms crossed and you know, the Scrooge kind of God. Now, how dare you come into my presence with that request, you know? I'm not going to answer that. And, and you keep bugging and bugging and bugging. And finally, God's like, oh, fine. Just get out of my way. I'll give you two. I mean, people have that view of God. It's not all what the Bible speaks of. Of God as a loving father. Uh, we are called dearly loved children. The Bible says we can boldly go into the throne room of grace. Why? Because we're his dearly loved kids. Like any loving dad loves to see his kids and come up on my knee and, and, and no loving father would ever, you know, sit there and just watch your kid beg for something like, oh, I don't want to give. No, a loving father wants to bless their kids. And whenever you look through the teaching of Jesus when it comes to prayer, the only conclusion we have is that, that Jesus, he really wants to answer our prayer. And so I'm just going to read uh, just a number of scripture. Uh, it says, Jesus teaching on prayer. Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. For everyone who asks, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. In Romans 8, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, the position of God when it comes to prayer throughout the scriptures is a God who is like, ask, <laughs> ask me. I want to bless you. You're my dearly loved kids. Come ask and you shall receive. 
God is a God who wants to answer our prayers. He really does. More than anything, we know that God wants his will to be done in this world. He doesn't like suffering. He doesn't like the sorrow and the brokenness and the, and the messiness that is going on. More than anything, God wants his will to be done. But the way he shaped this universe is that often the difference between God's will and being done is our own engagement, is our prayers. He wants to answer our prayers. Now, of course, we know that there are times when we pray for things that are, that are very much God's will. Uh, and, and it doesn't happen. And this is where the idea of that often we actually need to pray persistently for things. And we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, sometimes God heals someone the first time we pray for them. Sometimes we need to pray and fast and, and, and pray for a long time for that to happen. Sometimes we pray for a long time and it, and it doesn't happen. And this brings up the whole mystery of unanswered prayer. And if you're interested in that, I think we did a whole, I think, a six-week series on unanswered prayer last year or the year before. Probably is on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. But there's mystery when it comes to prayer. Even like in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel prays something that is God's will. And the Bible says the moment God heard it, he sent an angel to go answer the prayer. But this angel gets caught up in a spiritual battle. And it takes 21 days for that angel to get to Daniel to bring forth this answer. Uh, it was God's will, the prayer was answered, but there's this, this time in the, in the process of a spiritual battle before the, the prayer is answered. This is where the mystery of prayer sometimes happens. And the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities. I mean, a, we have a hard time with this in our Western culture, I know, but there is a whole world of spirits. And that entangles with our prayers at times. But God wants to answer your prayers. He really does. And he is willing. He said, come to me and, and ask. And, because God wants his will to be done. And often the difference between God's will being done and not done is our prayer. It says this in 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So John is saying we need to have confidence in this. The confidence in I can go into the throne room of God because I know I'm a dearly loved child. And I know if I ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then it says this. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. In other words, God wants his will to be done. If we pray in alignment with God's will, then we have confidence knowing that God is going to bring this about. Now, again, sometimes there can be a time period. Sometimes there's going to be persistent prayer. Sometimes we may need to fight the battle, but we need to have confidence in this. Uh, do you have confidence when you pray? And this is why it's so important for us to just try more and more to get our hearts in line with the hearts of God. The heart of the Father. To know who God is, to know his character, to know the way he thinks. Because the more we know God's character, and then the more we know who he is, the more we're actually going to pray in line with his will. And we can have confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we uh, have what we ask of him. And so we got to come to pray to a place where we have confidence in the heart of God, knowing who God is, knowing what God's will is, and, and, and working that out in often in persistent prayer. But we're going to talk about that 
uh, next week. Now, what is prayer? Uh, here's a couple of my favorite definitions. Uh, Jack Hayford put it this way. Prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. In other words, uh, prayer is often a partnership with God. God's wanting his will to be done. Uh, we are his children, and he, in a sense, is mentoring us uh, uh, to, 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 to have responsibility and to carry out his will. So he partners with us and says, I want my will to be done. We take the other partnership, and, and we pray that into being. Uh, Priscilla said it this way, uh, prayer is simply an outpouring of your heart to God and then making room in your life to hear back from him. And this is one of the secrets to answered prayer, by the way, is it tuning your voice in to hear God. God, how do you want me to be praying for this marriage? God, how do you want me to be praying for this church? God, how do you want me to be praying for this relationship I'm in with this person that's really, really hard? God, how do you want me to be praying with, for the sin that, I, that I'm struggling with? Because when you hear the voice of God, you know it's his will. And you can have confidence that when you pray according to his will, uh, there's power in that and there's an answer to that. And so I really encourage you, before you just blurt out and start praying what you think you should pray, you say, God, how do you want me to be praying? Prayer is simply an outpouring of your heart to God and then making room in your life to hear back from him. Prayer is how we see heaven invade earth. It's what opens the floodgates for God to come down and be involved in our everyday circumstance. And you can see prayer as a door. That on that door is God, God's will, his character, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. God is love. He is power. And whenever we pray, we're like opening the door for heaven to invade our, our, our situation or for heaven to invade our relationship or for heaven to invade whatever, whatever you want invaded by the will of God. Uh, it opens doors. Just as the Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold, that we know that we can open doors to evil spirits. The same is reverse. So in the good way to God, we, we can open up ways where God can get the foothold and, and that is what we do through prayer. That we just invite God, would you invade my life? God, would you come into this situation? God, would your glory fall? Would your will be done? We invite you into this place. Those things uh, are in line with God's will, and they bring about God's will in circumstances. Uh, God assigns a considerable amount of responsibility and authority to humanity. And this plays into the power of prayer and how prayer makes a difference. In the very beginning... Uh, it says, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, obviously it's God's will for the Garden to be taken care of. But God didn't do it himself. In order for God's will to be done, Adam and Eve actually had to do something. They had to work the garden. They had to steward the earth. God said to them, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. But God didn't just make babies appear out of nowhere. They had to actually do something. They had to do it, right? Uh, they had to make it happen. And this is the way uh, God often works in this world. That he says, this is my desire, but I want you to carry it out. God gave Adam and Eve such responsibility and such authority that the whole state of the world was in their hands in the beginning. It was in their hands whether the earth would remain a paradise 
or be turned over to sin, Satan, death, and corruption. It was in their hands. That is how much authority and responsibility God gave over to mankind when he created this world. That's a lot. <laughs> now, sadly, they, they chose wrongly, and the earth was sent in, in, into corruption over this. But, but God gives you authority and responsibility in your world, too. It's partly in your hands whether your world and your relationships are going to be in the area of paradise or in the area of sin, Satan, death, and corruption, just as, as Adam and Eve had that choice. And often the difference between those two things is prayer. Because often the difference, again, between God's will being done and not done is, is, is prayer. And so we invite God in for his will to be done. A couple of weeks ago, again, when, we, when I talked to this, I was uh, talking to Darren. Some of you know Darren. I don't think he's here today. But I was chatting with him after, and he says, Hey, Jesse, have you read this book called Destined for the Throne? And I was like, Nope. And he told me about sort of the uh, concept behind the book. And it was, I was like, and I really want to read that book. Short book, 135 pages. Uh, I read it last week. Uh, but his idea is brilliant. I, I like it because he traces the whole idea of uh, the church, that's you and I, as the bride of Christ. Throughout the Bible, it speaks of, of often uh, Israel being the bride and, and, and God being the groom and, and the church is the bride of Christ. And, and one day in the future, there is this marriage supper of the Lamb where we are married to Christ. And of course, it's all speaking of this, this incredibly intimate relationship we can have with God. That the most intimate relationship you can have on this, this planet is, is, uh, is often through marriage. Or it is incredible intimacy, and that is what God is looking for in, in you and I. Now, if you picture a king, which Jesus is, you know that any bride, or eventually once they get married, a, a queen is going to have authority and have responsibility. And you know whatever a queen says or a bride says, you know, has some weight in, in the kingdom. And so he, he just talks about how we have this future reign in Christ, and which actually begins now because the Bible talks about it. In Ephesians 2, it says... God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And we know where Jesus is. He was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right side. And so there's God, there is Jesus, and, and there's us. And the Bible says that we are seated with Christ on, on the throne. And God, because we are on the throne in Christ, there is a certain amount of responsibility and authority that God has actually given us. I mean, there's interesting texts on this. We can do a whole message on this, but we can't. I said, Jesus said this, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So, so in Christ, we are seated with him on the throne. And then you get funky verses like this, which really confuse us. Like Paul said, when we get to this in Corinthians, Do you not know... That the Lord's people will judge the world? Do you not know that we'll judge the angels? Because as the bride or the queen, we're seated on the throne with Christ. And because, you know, any intimate relationship between a husband and wife, there is a sharing of things. And, and, and they work together on things. And, and so this, uh, this idea that the universe is, is working this out with us and God. And, and we're going to be working together. It's kind of like a mentoring program. Where... Uh, in Jesus' day, uh, if you were a young boy, you pretty much always did what your dad did. I mean, if your dad was a bricklayer, you'd be a bricklayer. If your dad was a carpenter, you would be a carpenter. 
And so, and as you grew up as a young boy, the older you got, the more responsibility you would, you would be placed upon you. And eventually you'd be in the place where you could kind of do a lot. And the and, and basic idea of what he was saying in this book is this. That God places the church, and this is a quote from the book, in apprenticeship for eternal sovereignty with Christ. Not meaning that we're equal to God in any way, but that, that, that God is in relationship with us. And he wants us to partner with what he is doing. By practicing in her prayer closet the enforcement of heaven's decisions in mundane affairs, the church is in on-the-job training for co-sovereignty with Christ over the universal empire. She must learn the art of spiritual warfare, of overcoming evil forces in preparation for her assumption to the throne following the marriage supper of the Lamb. To enable her to learn the technique of overcoming, God devised a scheme of prayer to give her on-the-job training, God delegated to her the authority to enforce his will right here on, on earth. In other words, God is always a relational God. This is why God works through mankind. This is why in the very beginning, God didn't do everything himself. He says, Adam and Eve, it's in your hands. Whether this world's going to be a paradise or it's going to be corrupt, I, I want to work through you because that's what love does. If you're in a relationship with someone and you love someone, it's always, let's do this together. And because our God is, I-S, is love, he wants to work in and through us. He wants to say, let's, let's do this together. Let's make this world a beautiful place together. I'm not going to do it all myself. I got my will, and, and it's beautiful, and it's right, but I want you to engage in prayer to make it happen. Let's do this together. And this brings up... Uh, more meaning to verses like this in Matthew 19, where Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And there are times through prayer that God actually works with us, just like we're on the job training. You remember uh, like uh, uh, Abraham, or, uh, Abraham in, in Genesis with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And God was going to destroy it, and, and, and Abraham steps in. Well, what if there's 45 righteous people there, and would you not destroy it? And God's like, okay, I won't destroy it then. And then Abraham said, well, what if there's 40? And God's like, okay, well, 40 sounds good. Oh, what if there's 35? Or what's the 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? And God's like, okay, let's, let's go with it. I mean, it's like there are times when God works with us in our prayers. Like we're, we're being mentored. Or Hezekiah, you remember when God said to Hezekiah, get your affairs in order because you're going to die? And Hezekiah goes to prayer, and because he prayed, God comes back and says, okay, you're, you're going to have a longer life now. <laughs> I mean, there are times in the Bible, or, or Amos, as we talked about last week, when and God says, I mean, this nation, uh, there's going to be destruction on this nation. And Amos says, you know, it's, it's, the nation's really small, maybe we shouldn't do that. And God's like, okay, in, in Amos chapter 6. Uh, so we, God has given this responsibility to us, and it's, it's a weighty responsibility. And the question is, in your realm, are you carrying that authority and responsibility that God has given you to bring God's will into your life, into your sphere? To bring God in, his will into your workplace. That, that's part of your authority and your responsibility as a child of God. To bring God's will into your marriage is part of the responsibility and authority of a husband and a wife. To bring God's will to bear on this church is all of our responsibility. To be praying for this church. That God, would your will be done. Would your glory show up. There's an old quote that says this. His is the power. Ours is the prayer. 
Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. And there's a lot of truth to that when it comes to prayer. You can look at prayer in many ways like a safety security box. Uh, maybe you have these in the bank. I don't know how they work now, but I know they used to work with two keys. And, and the bank would hone one key and you would have the other key. And you can't get into your safety security box unless the banker has the key and you have the key. And so you go in with both keys and you turn it and you can take out what's in there. This is often how God runs the affairs of this world. God has his key. I have a will to be done. I want to do this. But he's waiting for us to take the other key of prayer and to plug it into the box. And when God has his will and we have our prayer, this is what opens up the box and releases blessing or releases his presence or releases his will on a situation. And so if you remain largely prayerless, God is like, I got the key. And I have so many things I want to do in your life. I have so many th things I want to do in Canada. I have so many things I want to do in the Junction Church, but, but no one is carrying the other key. It's like uh, God in the Old Testament, he said, you know, I, I, I looked for someone to stand in the gap, but I couldn't find anybody. I looked for someone who had the other key, but I couldn't find, and I hope that's not in your life, that you are the person carrying the key. You're constantly praying and engaging. Uh, we can look at prayer uh, like a check with two signatures. And in our church, for any check to go out, two people need to sign it. And I tell you, God has a lot of checks with his signature on it. He's saying, it's got money, it's good, I want to release my glory, I want to release my blessing, I want to release my will, but he's waiting for us to sign the other section, and we do that through prayer. And God's got the power, he's got the ability, he knows best, he's willing to do it, and so by prayer, we sign the other portion of the check, and then the check is good to go, and his glory is released. John Wesley, we're almost done here, uh, one of the big names in Christianity, uh, preached 40,000 sermons. He started the whole Methodist denomination, and he brought thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, to Jesus. And this is what he said, God is limited by our prayer life. It seems... He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him to. Now, he's not saying God is less than God. He's saying this is how God has designed the world. That for the most part, the difference between God's will being done and not done is our prayer. And, uh, and, and he saw that over and over and over and over again in his world. And we see that over and over again in this church. I tell you, if you have sickness in your body and you never have someone pray for you, and you never pray, you're probably not going to ever see a miraculous healing. But if you have sickness in your body, and we've seen it here, not always, and there's sometimes people we don't know why prayer doesn't always, always happen. That's the mystery of unanswered prayer. But we've seen those people who are persistent in their prayers that go for prayer, they are more likely to be healed. Marriages that are struggling. Uh, when you begin praying for your marriage, often things begin to change. Because God's will is for every marriage to thrive. That's his will. And we know when we pray for our marriage, that's according to God's will. And we know he hears us. I mean, there are things that we know are God's will. That if you just engage in prayer, it's taking the other key. It's signing the other line on the check. And this is why the Bible over and over and over and over again says pray. Keep praying. 
pray continually. Just pray. Just pray. Because God is like, I have so much wonderful stuff. My will is awesome. I want to flood the earth and your life with my, my will. Would you pray? Would you take the other key? Would you sign the other line on your check? So, Father, we ask you would release God's spirit of prayer upon us as your followers. God, I pray we would take time to pray. I pray we would come up to things like the prayer summit. God, I pray most of all that we would just engage with you and talk with you throughout our whole day. That we'd be constantly inviting you into our situations. God, we would be praying your kingdom come, your will be done. And God, that your blessing would be on us. God, we know that you are good. We know that you are for us and not against us. We know that your will, God, is not always easy, but we know it's amazing. And so, God, may your will be done in our marriages. May your will be done in our church. May your will be done.